This is Recovery Support with Kevin Bergen, brought to you by CCRG, the Center for Counseling, Recovery, and Growth. Sam Grittner is alive. He works in New York as a comic writer and comedian. He almost wasn't alive, though. He nearly committed suicide toward the end of 2015. He spent almost half his life drinking and even longer lying about his continued chronic pot use. And he says it was the dishonesty that nearly led him to his death. He survived, though, and wrote about it. If it weren't for that blog post getting thousands of hits, I never would have heard about him, arranged a phone interview, and come to share his story here. This is his story of hope, of recovery, of how and why. I'm going to read to you his post about surviving, and then I'll share the follow-up post he wrote about two weeks later. His story won't fit yours exactly, but I trust you'll find enough in common with him that you can identify with his answers when you feel as empty and hopeless as he did. Sam Grittner, a funny thing happened when I was typing my suicide note. going to kill myself two and a half weeks ago. Calm down, it's cool. I didn't. I'm sure most of you who follow me on this blog have seen me post about how long it's been since I quit alcohol. It's coming up on 21 months now, and that's pretty incredible for someone who was addicted to crack and heroin in their mid-twenties. But I had a secret. Not just the dolls buried underneath old man Wiccan's abandoned cabin. I never said I was sober. I went out of my way never to use that word because I wasn't. I've been smoking pot since I was 18 and never stopped. Today I have 15 days completely sober and I don't think I should write these words, which is exactly why I'm going to. I've battled depression since I was a teenager. I've had two suicide attempts in my life, This last time was different. Before I get into that, let me talk about pot. Rather, here's what pot did to me instead of making sweeping generalizations. It slowly choked to death every good quality about me. The last three years, I've been a terrible human being. I didn't remember people's birthdays, and much like Janice in accounting, I just didn't give a crap. I stopped going out of my way to make drawings or music mixes for my friends. I started three different screenplays that I got two pages into, then stopped. I was that guy who would post things like, Big things happening, just you wait. Honk if you're horny and a Vietnam vet. Okay, maybe not that last one. I lost weight, which was scary because on a good day, I weighed as much as a scarecrow full of wheat because I was always worried worried about being found out as a fraud. My older brother and his amazing wife had a daughter, 
And last week, after two years, I bought the first present I've ever gotten for. That's simultaneously pathetic and awesome. The fact, not the gift. The gift was a dope construction doohickey that she loves. I started therapy today, and I'm going to meetings again. I feel like my life has meaning, and I have worth. I have an amazing job where I get paid to write jokes. When I first got it, I thought I deserved it and believed it would make all my self-hate magically disappear. To my surprise, there are no magic hats in which to stuff rabbits of arrogance, jealousy, or denial into another dimension where they disappear. Maybe there are turbans or bowlers, but I didn't look around much. Every night, I would come home and smoke. That was my reward for making it through the day. I stopped thinking about anything more than two hours out. I stopped caring about my future. I'm not saying if you smoke pot, this will happen to you. This is my experience. I had a pot delivery guy. Yes, they're real, like in half-baked. Remember the cool guys in their 20s and 30s who all lived together and couldn't make coherent sentences? Those cool cats. 420. Blaze it. Ignore the bills, man. Bills are just a piece of paper asking for better pieces of paper. Bills are Williams, man. Well, I was a regular of this delivery guy. My guy texted me one Christmas to make sure I was okay because he hadn't heard from me in three days. Typing that sentence makes me want to vomit liquid out of every orifice simultaneously. I was 33 years old, going on 15. Pot was my escape. I didn't have to face how much I hated myself. I didn't move out to New York and sacrifice as much as I have to become a full-time loser, yet that's exactly what happened. Every time I turned on social media... I was jealous. Why was everyone else in my circle of friends getting better at writing? Why were they going up the comedy food chain? Why in hell were they posting pictures with famous people and I was still recounting the time I held an Oscar when I was 11? Still a cool story, but come on, dude. It was because they were getting up early and doing hard work. Poor little Sam. Poor little privileged white male whose only real problem in life has been his ego. I hated myself, and for somewhat justifiable reasons. I was boring, always grumpy, never not tired. I felt like the picture in Back to the Future where everyone slowly faded out. I felt like Ben Carson's eyes still look. So I made a plan. I saved up two months' worth of pain pills and then bought another 50 of something that, when combined with alcohol, would kill me. I had done research. My Google history was hilarious in the most macabre manner. I had manic days where I felt good, followed by the lowest of lows. So my Google search read something along the lines of, How much Xanax does it take to kill a human? Or like a scarecrow thingy. When is Nathan for you on? Best painless way to die... Are they sure fire? How long will I feel it if I drown myself? How to make a blueberry pie in only an hour? Nearest artisanal noose stores in Williamsburg. Are cuttlefish regular fish just hornier? How much alcohol do I need to mix with sleeping pills in order to never wake up again? 
When is Nathan for you on? I was stoned out of my skeleton, people. And so on and so forth. I finally picked a date after Facebook memories brought up the only picture I hadn't deleted of the only woman I've ever cared for. It pushed my mental car into overdrive off a cliff. I've been alone for the last two years. No sex, no touching. I kissed two women in the last two years. Because I was convinced I was worthless, ugly, stupid, and to be perfectly honest... I was most of those things, but only because I let myself become them. So I sat down and started writing out a note, but that was taking too long, and I wanted to leave a nice one that was pithy at least, so I went to my computer, and that's when things got weird. What font do you choose when you're writing your suicide note? Times New Roman is too formal. Wingdings is nonsensical. I ended up going with Comic Sans because... Soon the world would be sans another comic. Clever boy, don't I know it. I printed it out and started Googling hotels. I live with four roommates and I'm not a complete dick. I didn't want one of them to have to find me and be like, Really? You couldn't have done the dishes first, dude? So I decided I would treat myself. I'd go to the Waldorf. I found out that was out of my price range. Do you know how depressing it is to be completely depressed and not have the money to at least off yourself in a classy joint? I ended up going down a rabbit hole of hotel reviews on Orbitz and found a bunch of nice B&Bs upstate. I can give you recommendations next time I see you. I said, screw it. I'll just do it here. I went and took the bottle of vodka I'd had stashed behind my bed for three weeks out, and I looked into the mirror one last time. I saw the ghost of the man I was. But then the strangest thing happened. When I quit drinking, I made up my mind I would never do it again. Except for the pot. I rarely attended meetings because I would have been a hypocrite because of the pot I was still smoking, and I'd feel even worse, at least in my mind. I put 30 pills inside my mouth and... My body refused to let me drink alcohol. If I didn't mix them, I'd possibly die, but more likely than not, I'd live and have brain or body damage. I learned enough through my research to know that and what time Nathan for you is on. I didn't want to do that to my family and what few friends I had left because I took the easy way out. I called a friend. You know who you are. You talked me down that night, and I literally owe you my life. Why am I writing all this? Is it self-serving? You betcha. Can it help anyone else? Oh, I so hope so. You might have noticed over the past two weeks on this blog, I've been even more emotional than usual, and that's because I've wanted to tell this story. I've learned that people look up to me, not a lot, but some, and people care about me. I had just pushed so many of them away with my behavior that I couldn't see it. So here we are. I promised myself I would wait 30 days before I wrote this, but I had to get it out of me. I've told a few people and been shocked that people who I love and respect and look up to because they have their stuff together, 
have told me they feel the same way too. A lot. But you deal with it by being honest. People have told me they would never have guessed I was going through this. Which brings me back to why I'm writing this. Too often, we put on a display for the world. Many people have said this sentiment before and much more eloquently than I'll ever be able to, but it's so true. Don't feel sorry for me for a moment. I'm alive, and more so than I felt in years. I have a job, a small circle of friends that are borderline angels, a family that would do most anything for me. I'm the luckiest guy on earth. I won't tell you about any plans I have. If I do, they'll reveal themselves when they're supposed to. Good plans for the future. My direct message and email will always be open for the rest of my time I'm lucky enough to have. I've been in touch with strangers and friends and want anyone, anyone who is feeling isolated and worthless to know you matter. I will answer any message I get. I'm so thankful that I'm typing this right now. Is this Times New Roman? I'm not sure. Reach out. There is light at the very bottom of the tunnel you've buried yourself under or maybe had fallen on you inadvertently. There is no problem worth killing yourself over. I wish I hadn't done drugs, but maybe that's why I'm here now. I don't recommend almost dying multiple times in order to feel worthy of life, but my path led me here, so who am I to second-guess any of it? All I can do now is take it one day at a cliched time and enjoy every precious second that I get going forward. I love you. You matter. More than anything in the world, remember that. Nathan for you is on at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's Sam's story. What can you relate to? What do you feel? What's the chance that you'll again feel so empty that you consider killing yourself? I hope you take some of this and pack it away somewhere so you can bring it out again if you get low. Now I'm going to share what Sam posted two weeks later. When I spoke to him on the phone, he hadn't written this post yet. I'm glad he did. Sam Grittner, how can I help you help yourself. Today is a small milestone for me. I ate 50 watermelons, hijacked a carnival cruise ship with a whisk I turned into a shiv, and became a first-degree black belt at the Academy of American Karate for Young Jewish Adults. Wait, no, that was a dream I had last night. No, today for the first time in over a decade, I can say with complete honesty and sincerity, 
that I am 30 days clean of drugs and alcohol. I just left an AA meeting, and every time I do, it feels like I pulled a crippling sword out of my stone of anxiety. The stone has, from my rough estimate, about 3,000 swords left in there, all katanas. Even my wounded psyche had good taste in swords. So I still have a lot of work to do. But I'm strangely excited to continue to put in the effort. When I wrote the essay about how I planned to kill myself, I expected some people might see it. I had no idea the astounding effect it'd have and continues to have. I never imagined in a million years or one night at a Holiday Inn Express in Tacoma that so many people would be able to relate on such a visceral level to the struggle I was going through. At the end of that blog post, I told people who were feeling alone or doing mental jujitsu with the same issues I was or am to send me a DM or email. I received over 500 direct messages and 100 emails. I responded to every direct message, but not the emails. The reason for that is because I noticed a pattern in the emails. They were all very long, and most had issues that went far beyond my depth of knowledge. I know a lot about seasons one to three of Lost, a little bit about sushi, and 12 random facts about elephants. The longest job I've ever held was at a TGI Fridays, so I'm by no means capable or qualified to help people with life and death issues beyond the thoughts I share right here. But I can tell you a lot about mozzarella sticks. Humbled doesn't express the feelings I have about complete strangers opening up to me the way they did and continue to do. My heart is simultaneously overflowing with joy from the outpouring of support and solidarity I received and almost completely numb due to the fact that so many people hurt and hate themselves. Instead of making the active choice to pivot their perspective to see the overwhelming beauty that is simply being alive today, you are promised nothing in this life. Nothing. I took everything for granted for nearly a third of my life, and now I'm trying to pay it forward any way I can. I'm writing this for anyone out there who's still struggling with self-hatred, drugs, or alcohol dependency. Why? To answer questions I've been asked, and to let you know there is a reason to be hopeful. Eight years ago, I was smoking crack and snorting heroin on the verge of killing myself. Yes, I see the theme too. In my defense, I was working at a TGI Fridays. Today, I live in New York City, have friends, family, a writing job, a home, and a pair of jeans that fit really nicely. That's hard to come by when you're as tall and skinny as I am. First and foremost... If you're suicidal, I can't help you. Only you can. Start by calling 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. They will tell you what steps to take from there. Again, that number is 
1-800-273-8255. I've called it at least five times in the last two years, and they've literally saved my life. There's no shame in calling. In fact, you should be proud of yourself. I know firsthand how hard it is to ask for help. Which leads me into the questions that keep popping up from my last blog post. How did I quit drinking? How did I quit smoking pot? Do you have any recommendations on how I can do either? Is Fargo really as good as you've been telling people? I've been in and out of the rooms, or Alcoholics Anonymous, for the last 8 to 10 years. While I was in those rooms, I never fully committed to the program until now. And I believe that's why it took me so long to get to where I am today. I feel good about myself. I take some pride in who I am again. And most importantly, I'm being proactive to ensure that I stay sober and continue to learn how to be happy and grateful for every day I'm allowed on this earth. I did learn some valuable tips along the way and some facts about elephants. AA is not for everyone, but it's the only place I've seen that consistently changes lives for the better. Back to those frequently asked questions. How did I quit pot? How did I quit alcohol? How can you do the same? Seriously, is Fargo that good for real? Awareness? Acknowledgement, action. I don't think that's what AAA stands for. Next time you get your keys locked in your Subaru, you can ask Dustin or Ruby or whomever it is they send and let me know. I'm too busy typing this to Google it myself. But I heard those three words today and they continue to resonate in my bones. Awareness. Acknowledgement action. If you've written to me, then you've already done the first part. You're aware that you have a problem. If you're ashamed of your drug and drinking habit, let me share some personal facts. I'll start by me telling you what drugs I've done. Actually, let's save about three paragraphs and I'll tell you what drugs I haven't done. Ketamine and bath salts. I've done everything else under the sun and over the moon at least twice, usually while listening to and pretending to get jazz. So if you're deeply embarrassed that you can't quit smoking pot, I can tell you about the time I was 17 and did mescaline, got my keys locked in the car. I didn't have AAA at the time. Had to go home to my parents' house, interrupt a dinner party with their friends, and try not to act like the walls were collapsing in on themselves. I ended up getting the keys and had a friend drive me to, you guessed it, a jazz show. The band was Happy Apple, and they are amazing, especially when your mind is straight. I've thrown up on dogs, and when I was nearing the end of my illustrious drinking career, my friends informed me that I was infamous during blackouts for threatening strangers that I would eat their effing faces off. I was sloppy, gross, and extremely out of control. 
I have a million more stories like this, so don't feel bad about yours. I don't. Except for the dogs. They were truly the innocent victims. I knew I had a problem. I didn't understand or want to admit the severity of it. Awareness is the beginning. Acknowledgement comes when you've blacked out for almost two years straight and are about to lose your job and you take a good look in the mirror and say, I need to do something about this problem. That's where I feel most of you who have had the courage to write me are at. You've thrown up on your animals. Fact, elephants hate being thrown up on. You've done coke in an abandoned radio shack with carnies. You've lost a job, or 12, and you don't have mirrors in your room because you genuinely hate what you see when you stare into it. You're at a crossroads. You can continue down the path you know, and even though boulders keep falling on you, you know they're coming and you feel safe and secure because you know you can count on the buzz you get. You can continue sneaking drinks in the morning, taking oxys at your crappy day job, or making it through the entire day so you can reward yourself with some herb, horse, or whatever your particular self-destructive weapon of choice is. Action. You don't need to shave your head and only talk in two-word sentences to take action. That's Bruce Willis. No, action is saying, I'm going to do something about my problem because it's either that or I'm going to die or I'll forever be known as the person who vomits on llamas. You don't want to be that person. So here's my advice for you. Stop. Stop lying to your friends and family and employer and to yourself. The first part of quitting is quitting. Admit defeat. If you're an alcoholic or addict, there will never be enough drugs or alcohol to make you feel whole. I know this because I've lived it, and sadly, I took some weird, messed-up pride in being a prideful screw-up. I did mountains of cocaine and drank two Irelands during my time using. I spent over $4,000 on rock and H, and it was never enough. It will never be enough. I quit drinking by telling myself I was never going to do it again. Then I started utilizing the tools I learned in AA. I reached out to friends before I picked up a drink. They talked me through it. Eventually, I trained my brain to do the same. What happens if I have one drink? That, to me, is the funniest question in the world because if I'm honest with myself, there's no such thing as one drink. I have one, one becomes two, and the next thing you know, I've lost my pants and I'm shouting facts about pachyderms to strangers before threatening to devour their lovely faces. I was actually able to quit drinking for almost two years by retraining my brain and constantly reaching out to my few sober friends. What I didn't realize at the time, in my defense, I was smoking pot every day, so I wasn't thinking clearly. I wasn't thinking at all. 
What I didn't realize at the time was that even though I stopped drinking, I never took on the root causes that made me drink and use and suffocate my soul in the first place. I'm now doing just that. I'm back in therapy and going to AA meetings every day. I found a sponsor, and after only 30 days, I'm a changed person. This last Friday, I had the day off and went to two meetings, and for the first time in 10 years, I felt at ease in my own skin. For the most part, I'm no longer trying to impress anyone or be someone I'm not. I'm a weird dude sober, and I mean that in the best way possible. I still talk and make jokes to myself out loud. I make mistakes. I beat myself up mentally. But I'm learning that deep down, there's always been a great guy. He was just hiding because he was too scared to face the real world. I'm not perfect. I never will be. There's no such thing as perfect. All I can do is be 100% honest with myself. If I had one drink or smoke pot or use any substance, it's only a matter of time before I feel so guilty that my addict mind will convince myself out of shame and guilt that it's okay to fall back, that I'm weak, that I deserve just one. I could die in my sleep tonight. I could die at any time. I choose going forward to be present for however much time I'm granted. I want to remember the concerts I attend, be a good uncle to my niece and nephew, and eventually write a book about the unsung heroes of the Academy of American Karate for young Jewish adults. I want to have a girlfriend and learn how to ski. I want to try venison. The only way I can do any of these things is by waking up every day and deciding to put myself first and not use or dilute my personality with poison that's sold in bottles or bags. I will reach out. I will call my sponsor and my friends. I will do whatever it takes to be happy, healthy, and never ever throw up on a bewildered dachshund again. Oh, and to answer that final question, yes, Fargo is that good. Change is possible, but only if you take action every single day. I love you, and I promise no matter what, I won't eat your scrumptious face. Now, who wants to learn about elephants? Clearly, Sam knows about a lot more than just elephants. And so do you. That's why you're so welcome to share when you attend 12-step meetings. You know things. And some things you've forgotten. Some you haven't learned yet. It's all a process. And learning and sharing is an experience. Did you get anything out of today's show? 
I do this show purely to help, and I cover all the expenses myself. Would you consider becoming a patron of recovery support? If enough of you pledge as little as a dollar per episode, I promise to produce at least once every month, maybe even twice. Please visit patreon.com. Now that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash recovery support. And see about becoming a patron of the show today. You can consider it like Principle 7 when they pass the basket so you can give something back. You'll get more of these episodes if you become a patron. This is Kevin Bergen. Now have a terrific day.